Okay, good evening. We're here to learn the Perushim of Rabbeinu Bachia on, on Parshas Vayechi. As, as you know, as we've indicated before, Rabbeinu Bachia has, is a multifaceted commentary that has in it many, many pieces, uh, a lot of solid learning of Shat, and there are also many Ramazim, and um, you know hints to, to to different kinds of things, and I would want to just mention one thing which uh, which he mentions here that uh, he mentions in the very first pasuk of the parsha, which speaks about the parsha's ustuma. Right, the Rashi notes that at the beginning of the parsha's vayichi, you find something or you don't find something, which you find by all other parshias. Which is by all other parshias, there's a break. And Parshas Vayechi, if you look in the Sefer Torah, you don't find the beginning unless you will look closely. It just goes from the last word of Vayigash to the next word as the first word of Vayechi. <clears throat> and uh, the Chazal, Darshan, if they speak about it, Parshas Ustuma, one pshat which, which, uh, which Rashi brings is that um, with the death of Yaakov Avinu, which is what is being described here at the beginning of the Parsha, Nistumu Eineim Belibam Shal Yisrael, the hearts and the eyes, the eyes and the hearts of the Jewish people were locked up or closed, mitzar hashibur, from the difficulties of the of the shibur of the bondage. But there's another pshat, and a pshat which which references something which we have a little bit later in the parsha, and uh, that is that when Yaakov Avinu wanted to give the brachas to his children, the pasuk actually says that uh, he gathered them together and he said, I want to tell you, Asher, that which you will experience at the end of days, which is a very grand statement. Yaakov Vinu wanted, says Rashi, to reveal the end of days to his, to his children. Thank you very much. But then, the Shechina left him. That's what Chazal say. And we'll come back to that a little bit later. But Rashi notes that here as well in the first pasuk of the parsha, because Chazal say that is another reason for the stima, the closed nature of the parsha. Rashi says, He wanted to reveal the ultimate end to his children, and it was blocked from him; it was hidden from him. So the the Rabbeinu Bachia B'derech Remes says that the reason why he wanted to be Megala the Kates Lebonov was because he looked at Banov and he saw that if you look at the names of all the Shvatim, Ruvain, Shimain, Levi, Yehuda, Yesachar, Zavulun, Dan, Naftali, God, Asher, Yosef, Binyamin, there are two letters that are missing, Ches and Tes. Chet. So he says, my children, I maybe didn't notice it like along the way, but my children are without Chet. And he said, if they're so perfect, you know, mitase shlema. So then, you know, Abraham Russia, right? That's what it will say. You know, that's what Rashi says a couple of times here. So, so I could, I should reveal to them, you know, completeness. But then, says Rabbein Bach, he realized there were another two letters which are missing. And what are they? Kofensari. Cats. Cats. It's a very, very interesting thing that, uh, that, that okay, they're missing chet, 
but they also weren't quite ready. They were, all, they were also missing the, the case. They were missing the, you know, the, uh, the end, and that would, that would do them. This, you know, Sfarim, it speaks a lot about that Yitzchak's name included the word Ketz, you know, Ketz Chai, is Yitzchak. But uh, this is what, so a note which the Ramban, which Rabbeinu Bachya, uh, which Rabbeinu Bachya makes, makes here. Um, now, the, 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 in, the, in the broader sense, he says that we find, he brings another example from a Pasuk, Psukim, which have a memsucha, where it's supposed to be a memstuma, an open mem, where it's supposed to be closed, a closed where it's supposed to be open, that where the Torah does something in presentation and it does it unusually, so then it is, uh, it's there to signal something. And that's here, where he was trying to reveal the end, but, uh, but ultimately he could not. The, the, uh, another note which Rabbi Nobachi makes in this Pasuk is that it, it disturbs him that the Torah does the math. In last week's parsha, we learned that uh, Yaakov was 130 years old when he came down to Mitzrayim. In this week's parsha, we learn that Yaakov Avinu would die at 147 years old. So how long did Yaakov live in Mitzrayim? 17 years. Perfect. And that's what the Pasuk says. The problem is, why does the Pasuk have to say it? If you, you can do the math. I mean, we, we do far more complicated math when it comes to the age of the others and things like that. There are places where it's much less clear. And we figure it out. You say, how do you know? We figure it out. So why does the Torah have to underscore the 17 years? So Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says here, and he alludes, he, he alludes to what he wrote really in, in his introduction, when the Pasuk says he lived in Mitzrayim 17 years, it's trying to accent that he lived there 17 years. Why? Because those 17 years, said Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, are mida keneged mida. They're measure for measure. It says, Yaakov supported Yosef for 17 years. Because Yosef was 17 years old when he went down to Mitzrayim. So Yaakov took care of Yosef for 17 years. So therefore, Yosef took care of Yaakov for 17 years. Avinu Bachya says this in the introduction in the middle of an exposition where he speaks about stoka, charity. And he says, you know, the deepest and first level of charity is to take care of your own family. The Gemara says, what's an oiset stoka v'chol eis? David HaMelech refers to a person who does charity all the time. He says, who does charity all the time? Anybody who takes care of their children, who supports their children. They go to work, they're doing charity. Bringing home money is, an, is supporting a family. That's Aiset Staka B'chaleis. So the Pasuk says he lived there for 17 years, even though it didn't have to, because it's trying to draw the parallel between the 17 years that Yaakov took care of Yosef, and the payback was that for 17 years Yosef took care of Yaakov. Mida keneged mida, midas hatstaka. It is important to call attention to what the Rabbeinu Bachi writes, a very lengthy piece in Pasuk Chavtes, which is basically the second Pasuk of the Parsha, where it says the following, And the days of Yisrael came close to death. What's so fascinating? Because the first Pasuk said, And Yaakov lived in Mitzrayim for 17 years. 
and the years of Yaakov were 17, were 147. And the days of Yisrael came close to die. So, you know, we're pretty smart. We know that Yaakov and Yisrael is the same person, but it's kind of confusing. Yaakov lived, and, days, and the total life of Yaakov was, and the days of Yisrael came close to death. We know Yaakov had two names. Why switch around from Pasuk to Pasuk? So Rabbeinu Bachi writes a long essay about this here, in this, in this Pasuk. It's not the first time. In fact, there was even an allusion in last week's Parsha to this issue of when we used, not last week, but the week before, but when we used the name Yaakov and when we used the name Yisrael. However, the, the, he starts off by saying, he, st- he starts off by saying, that, uh, look, the simple pshat is, sometimes it calls him Yaakov, sometimes it calls Yisrael. He says it seems to be almost interchangeable. Both names are, are used for him, and they're used almost interchangeably. But of course we understand that that's not sufficient. You can't have a difference like that. And Ravenu Bachi goes on to speak here, where he says that Yaakov represents the more basic and physical state, and Yisrael represents the more spiritual and lofty state. All the theories that we have about Yaakov and Yisrael all revolve somehow around that. Now, again, some would say Yaakov represents humility, like the term akev, heal, and Yisrael represents mastery term Sar. And so when you speak about Yaakov in triumph, you speak about Yisrael. When we speak about Yaakov in Golos, or in weakness, you speak about Yaakov. Rabbeinu Bachia adds and focuses on this other element, which is, there's the physical Yaakov, and then there's the spiritual. There's time when the physical dominates, and the humility of the physicality dominates, and there's the time when the spirit does. Yaakov first got the name Yisrael when he had the encounter with the Malach, with the angel. That's clearly the spiritual Yaakov encountering, encountering uh, you know, the spiritual Esav. And he says, We know that the main focus are the characteristics of the soul, not of the body. However, it's impossible for a person to escape, to uproot, to imagine themselves without the midas of physicality. You can't live without them. You need them. But the, the idea is that a person is supposed to focus primarily on the nefesh, on the soul, and secondarily on physical existence, which is sort of like a necessary thing that we have to deal with. So Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says beautifully, that's the Pasuk, what it says by Yaakov Avinu, and the way the Gemara translates it. What does it say? Lo Yaakov, Yaakov Yomer Shimcha. Yaakov will no longer be your name. Kim Yisrael Yishemecha. Yisrael will be your name. And the Gemara says, the Gemara proves, not that Yaakov is removed, but that Yisrael is the Ikar, is the main, and Yaakov will be Tfelola. Yaakov will be secondary. Says Rabbeinu Bachia, that fits with this theory. If Yisrael represents the spiritual and Yaakov represents the physical, so then you understand that Yisrael is the Ikar and Yaakov is the Tafel. Yisrael is supposed to be the main focus. When the Chazal instructed us 
about Torascha Keva. You know, so 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 Torascha Keva has a very practical, measured meaning, and Torascha Keva also has a broader thematic meaning. Meaning, the very specific meaning is what we call Kfius Itim Lataira, the idea of having fixed times for Torah study, the Halach and Shulchan Aruch, that you should have fixed time for Torah study, that come what may, whatever deal, sweet deal, you don't move. This is the time for Torah learning. On the other hand, on the other, uh, on the other hand, there's a notion of keva, which doesn't mean just make it at a fixed time, but it says the Rishonim, their malachtam was was their their teraschem was keva and malachtan arai, meaning that they viewed their Torah as the most important thing in their life. It wasn't something that they found a little time here and there to do. It was the center point of their life, and they worked everything else around it. And that's this idea of Ikar v'tofel, Yisrael and Yaakov. This is the way he does it. And he goes through to explain many, many, many occurrences of the Yaakov and Yisrael shift and uh, explains it according to this theory that Yaakov is when you're talking more about the physical, basic Yaakov, and Yisrael is, uh, is talking about the loftier. And you can understand how the Pasuk therefore here shifts Yaakov lived in Mitzrayim. The years of Yaakov were so many. But as Yisrael was approaching death, he said, I want you to take me to Eretz Yisrael. Now, Rabbeinu Bachir doesn't explain it so sharply here at the beginning, but he does say the following thing. Listen to what he says towards the end of his commentary on Pasuk Chavtes. He says, Yaakov said, Don't bury me in Mitzrayim. I want to lie with my forebears. So he says there was a double request here. The same thing he wanted. One thing he wanted. But it was for two separate reasons. One reason was he didn't want to be in Mitzrayim. And the other one was he did want to be in, in Eretz Yisrael. Says the Rabbeinu Bachya. He didn't want to be in Mitzrayim because... He didn't want the Mitzrayim to make his kever into a shrine, and he would be worshipped by them. Yaakov was very respected. He was worried that they would do that. When Yaakov came to Mitzrayim, the Nile River rose, the famine ended. There were reasons why, Rashi brings this, that they were, that he worried. And, says Rabbeinu Bachia, even though he'd just be lying there. However, Kishem Shinifroim this is a nice thing, uh, uh, you know, it's, and it's, uh, this is part of Chazal. He's, the same way there's a punishment on those who worship idols, there's also punishment inflicted on the idols. When the Jewish people were taken out of Mitzrayim, Hashem said, against the gods of Egypt, I will do justice. And they got punished. The, the Gemara says that the idols, you know, they melted and they, 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 you know, they fell apart. You, you have to show that the idol that you were worshipping was powerless. And if Yaakov Inu is being worshipped, you know, something would have to happen to him. Talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right? But he also wanted to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. Why? They always love and cherish the burial places in Eretz Yisrael. Because it's a holy land, and it brings atonement, as it says, famous passage which is called the people who dwell in it, 
their sins are upheld, born, you know, lifted up, etc. It's in Eretz Yisrael that we have the gateway to heaven for the prayers and the korbanes to enter. And worthy souls go through there and go back to their roots. That's why the tzaddikim want that they should be buried there so that their soul will have a ready and smooth entry into the world of the spirits. So you understand that it is the Yisrael, the eternal, the spiritual, right? the body is worried for the body. What's the difference? But for the for 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 the the higher Yaakov Avinu, there was such a worry, there was such a concern. There was such a concern. In Pasuk Lamed, the third Pasuk of our Parsha, we don't do every Rabbeinu Bachya, but there are just some things here which are very striking in the first Psukim of the Parsha. So Yaakov Avinu says, Shachafti Mavoisai. I will lie with my forefathers. Mitzrayim should carry me from Israel and bury me in their burial place. So he says, um, I, uh, I will lie with my forefathers. He says this as something with confidence. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, said Rabbi Yitzchak, now the one of the things in Rabbeinu Bachia is that there are many things that Rabbeinu Bachia quotes, Midrashim and the like, which we don't have those Midrashim. He had Midrashim that we don't have. Rav Yitzchak said, A person knows on the day of his death where he's headed. He knows if he's going to the place of the righteous. Or if he's going to the place of the wicked. That's how Yaakov says, and I will lie with my fathers. He knows that he's going to a good place. Ravino Bach is bothered by the following, or the Medrash is bothered by the following. And you're going to hear this, you'll say, oh, I, I heard stories like that. He says, I will lie with my forefathers. You'll carry me from Mitzrayim and bury me there. What does that mean, I will lie with my forefathers? After you carry me from Mitzrayim and bury me there, then I will lie with them. It's, the Pasuk is out of order. It says Rabbeinu Bachya that he's already there before he's there. We call this, in the jargon of America, we call this, a near-death experience. When they refer to a near-death experience, they're not just referring to the person nearly dying. What it means is that the person already sees where they're headed when they're still alive, but when they're dying. They have that moment. And says Rabbeinu Bachya, that's what, the, that's what this Pasuk is referring to. He will lie with his forefathers. He knows where he's going. He's already somehow, the bed is made, even before the burial, even before Yaakov was carried away, and he says, 
even if a person dies, the Karain, a Bisfina, a Benor, a Bemidbar, a Bishuv, he dies on a wagon, he dies on a boat, he dies on a river, he dies in a desert, or he dies in the city. His soul goes ahead before he dies, goes to his forefathers. And the Medrash brings that we find Rabbi Avo saw the reward which he was destined to have before he died. How much is the good that you have hidden away for those who fear you? There's a story of Rabbi Avo who was not a lamus, who was who was dying. He saw what was reserved for him. He saw the good which was waiting for the righteous. When he saw all these goodies, he said, Wow, all of this for Avo. He immediately welcomed death. What goodness that you have hidden away for those who fear you. So this everyone here has heard a story, or seen perhaps a story, of someone who was dying and they felt their mother or their father coming to greet them. Right? So, like, what is that? That's what Rabbi Bach is talking about. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know stories. I'm a like cold fish sometimes with these stories. You know, I don't know always, but this is what Rabbi Bach speaks of, and it's an amazing thing if you think about it. The context in which the Medrash says it. Death is presumably a pretty scary thing. Presumably a pretty scary thing. But if, as the person is approaching death, he sees that he's going to his avais, he sees the good which is waiting for him, so then the tzaddik, who truly has nothing to fear, is reassured. You have nothing to fear. Look what's coming around the corner. Now, on the other hand, you know, if a person's you know, not quite go, you know, going to the right place, so maybe they should be scared. Maybe they should be scared. But that's, uh, that's, that's uh, the idea behind this, of opening the door for him. An idea. Not to diminish from that at all, but what's a little different, at least from the way we, I understand it, is like a near-death experience. It's like right near death. Here, he's having it in the beginning. You know, there's there's yeah. a span. I'm not sure how long it is, but enough to do all the brachos. And, you know, it doesn't seem like Yaakov dies for a little bit. Right. So um, so uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a very good point. The language which he quotes is, He knows on the day of his death where he's headed. And while this took place close to the death of Yaakov, we don't have an exact period of time. We know it's in the last year of his life. He's 147 years old now when he does this, and he's 147 years old when he dies. Did a day separate this from the next to the week, to two weeks to the month? We don't know exactly. And it's certainly beyond Yoim Hamisa. But the Medrash speaks about Yoim Hamisa. The last thing I would like to tell you is a very beautiful thing that the Rabbeinu Bachi writes. And again, 
again, he writes in the name of a medrash, we don't quite have the medrash. And that is that Yosef was asked, take me to Erez Canaan, and Yosef said, I will do as you said. So he didn't say, yes, or Cain. He said, I will do like you said. Says Rabbeinu Bachya, the simple pshat is, you ask me to do this, I'll do this. The deeper pshat is, Yosef said, hey, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to give the same instruction. I'm going to tell them that they should not bury me in Eretz Mitzrayim. They should bury me in Eretz Yisrael. Anoichi esekidvarecha is, that's a good idea. I will do the same. And Yosef, of course, when he died in the end of our Parsha, he instructed his brothers, and he said, when you leave Mitzrayim, I want you to take me with me to Eretz Yisrael. It wasn't exactly Yaakov Avinus, for whatever reason, you know, Chazal discuss, Yaakov Avinu had Yosef to take him. Who was going to say no to Yosef? Yosef's brothers wanted to leave him and take him to Mitzrayim. They wouldn't necessarily let them go. But one way or the other, the value that he placed on being taken to Eretz Yisrael, he got from Yaakov Avinu. You gave that instruction? I, I, at the right time, will follow suit. I'm going to do like you said should be done. I'm going to adopt that same approach. I like that a lot. Okay. Okay. Uh, hope your socks are fastened. Um, in Perik Memches, Pasuk Yud Gimel, Rabbeinu Bachya says an amazing thing. It is incredibly unique, I think, and unusual. So we have the story of Menashe and Ephraim, and Yosef brings his sons Menashe and Ephraim before Yaakov Avinu, and he puts Menashe on Yaakov Avinu's right side, which is his left, and he puts Ephraim on Yaakov Avinu's left side, which is his right. And Yaakov Avinu, what does it say? He stuck his right hand and he put it on the head of Ephraim. He put his left hand on the head of Menashe. Sikel es yodav ki Menashe abachar. He was wise with his hands because Menashe is the Bukhar. And what do you think that means? Sikel es yodav ki Menashe abachar. So, says Rashi, Kitargumai is kimimun beheskel v'chachma hiskel es yodav lakach. Even though he knew Rabbi was the Bukhar, he was smart and he didn't put his right hand on him. So what do you imagine? What, uh, what happened? So he brings that Rabbi Hananel wrote what you and I always thought, which is he went like this. He wanted his right hand to go on Ephraim, but Ephraim was on his left, so he switched his hands and he had his hands one crossed over the other. Says Rabbi Novachia, Yaakov Avinu, we're going to be standing there giving a bracha like this? That's weird. It's, it's weird. You know, who stands like this? He says, that's not what happened. He said, he used his hands wisely to rearrange things. He said, Ephraim, come. Menashe, come. And he reached out to them, and Ephraim was on his right, and Menashe was, was on his left. Ephraim was held by his right hand. He, he, he moved them around. It didn't happen without switching places. That's what Rabbeinu Bachya says. You know, just by contrast, a couple of years ago, we learned in this time slot the Nitziv. And the Nitziv has a 
very, very significant and very, very beautiful idea that he talks about where he says, Hidafka didn't have them change position. The Pusik says he just was smart with his hands. Why? Why didn't he say, eh, excuse me, Isaac, Chagum, you know, turn them around. So he says because there was an aspect in which Menashe was the Bukhar, that he stood on his right side. There's an aspect in which Ephraim was the Bukhar, and that's what's represented by the hands. The feet represents the physical, and the hands represent the seichel. The hands are represented the, great, the greatest wisdom of the person. So on matters of seichel, on matters of spirit, Ephraim was first. On matters of physicality, Menashe was first. Beautiful essay by Rabbeinu Bachia, where he, by the Nitziv, where he says, and if you look, you'll see that when the Jewish people were entering the Midbar, and you count all the Shvatim, it counts Ephraim before Menashe. When the Jewish people were leaving the Midbar and going to Eretz Yisrael, it counts Menashe before Ephraim. Why? Because in the Midbar we were living spiritual existence. So Ephraim is the Bukhar. In Eretz Canaan, we were going into live a more physical existence. So Menashe is the Bukhar. Wow. You know, very clever. Rabbi Novachi says, sorry, Mr. Nitziv, it's not true. Right? He didn't go like this. He went like this, normal. He just said, Ephraim, over here. Menashe, over here. That's Rabbi Nobachia. I Okay, you can, you, I'll give you a moment to put your socks back on. Okay, now that you learned that, uh, that amazing chiddush of Rabbi Nobachia. Doesn't it say before, so What's that? It says before, So Rabbi Nobachia interprets that that doesn't mean that he, that Sikhalas doesn't mean he reversed his hands. It doesn't mean that he, re- he, he reversed his hands. It means that uh, he, he was smart with his hands. And, and uh, he, he sent his hand, his right hand onto him, and he brought him to him. That's the way he understands it. When Yosef said, Yago, he says, I think he got mixed up. So that wouldn't make a difference, right? No, he either, either, either way, either way, he says, and he tried to take his hand from Menashe and put on a frame, so now he was trying to... Get him to switch, you know, to switch, or he was trying to switch move back. them around. Okay. Um, the, the, when we get to the brachis, which Yaakov Avinu gives uh, to the Shvatim, so, you know, this parsha, this section begins where, where um, Yaakov says, I want to tell you what's going to be Bachris Hayomim in the end of days. And we mentioned this already in our in the beginning of this parsha. That was something that Yaakov wanted to let them know, but was hidden from him. So Rabbeinu Bachya has an interesting problem. And his problem is <laughs> you want to tell them what's going to be in the end of days. I have an idea, Yaakov. Why don't you start by telling them what's going to be in the intermediate of days, in the middle of days? You, you guys are in Mitzrayim now. You have to get out of Mitzrayim. Before you get to Mashiach, you have to get to Sinai. I mean, you know, you have, you have, you have a lot to, to, to do before we get to the Ketz HaYomim. Why is Yaakov Avinu going to the Ketz HaYomim? It's a good question. It says Rabbeinu Bachia, of course. But he already got to that. Because he already said, Yaakov Avinu, uh, Yaakov Avinu already uh, said, Hashem will be with you, and he's going to bring you 
He's going to bring you to the land of your forefathers. Right? That's That was what he said earlier in the Parsha. I'm going to die. Hashem will be with you and he'll return you to the land of your forefathers. That's Gulas Mitzrayim. Then, when he gathers together the sons, he says, now let me talk to you about the ultimate Gula. But both of them are necessarily addressed. But now, here, excuse me, here a beautiful thing. Rabbeinu Bachya says, he brings it again, it's a medrash, and we don't exactly have the medrash perfectly, but he brings this thing here on a very known story that goes into the text or the subtext of the Parsha. So, excuse me. Yaakov gathers his children around, and he says, gather and listen, B'nai Yaakov, Shimon Yisrael Avichem, listen to Yisrael, your father. Twice it says, Shimu. Chazal tell us, again in this drama about Yaakov Avinu losing sight of the ultimate end of days, that uh, Yaakov Avinu said, uh-oh, what's going on? Why did I suddenly lose divine inspiration? Maybe one of my children is not worthy. Shema yesh psul bizari. So what did the Jewish people do? Zagmar and Psachim. What did, the, what did Jewish people do? What did the Shvatim do? They said, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Alekein, Hashem Echad. Listen, Yisrael, Hashem is our God, Hashem is one. The same way you believe in Him, the way you have only one thing in your heart, we also have only one in our heart, and that's the Rabbeinu Shalom. So the Shimu is an allusion to Shema Yisrael, which is what the, the Shvatim said. So, the, the, um, the Rabbeinu Bachir writes as follows. You know, in this one pasuk, it uses, as we said before, both the name of Yaakov and the name of Israel. He kafzu v'shimu b'nei Yaakov. Gather and listen, the children of Yaakov. V'shimu al Yisrael avichem. Listen to Yisrael, your father. Both are, are are mentioned here. And he says, and if you notice, it says b'nei Yaakov, and it says listen to Yisrael avichem because they were all born when Yaakov still had the name Yaakov. And then he was called by the name Yisrael. Now all of them except for Binyamin. He says, when it says, listen, it's not just listen to me. It's listen to the Rabbi Shalom. And that's why it says twice. Listen and listen. Listen to me. And to my fundamental instruction to you, which is, you should spend your lives listening to and obeying HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then he says, I found a support to this in a medrash. And again, the footnote says, okay, it's in this medrash, Bracious Rabbah Shita Chadosh of in some more remote version of the medrash that is found. Moshele Mohadavar what's this compared to? Le'evet there was a cert servant that the king trusted him completely to, for everything which he had. And that Eved was about to die. The Eved summons his children to make them free. 
and to say to them, Here's where your star, where your contract of freedom is. The king came. He saw that servant. He then sort of like pushed the matter off. Omar Lemi said, so it happened was he was trying to give them instructions and then the master came along and the Evid said, you know, show honor to this person the same way I honored him all of the days of my life. So what's the comparison to what we have over here? Yaakov Avinu Kor Levanov Yaakovino assembled his children to tell them what the end of the day would be, where that, that guaranteed contract is. Baruch revealed himself to him. To your children you call and you tell, and not to me. Kivin when Yaakov saw him, like my father's honored Hashem. Amrulai, they said to him, Mabalibcha, we know what's in your heart, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Hashem Echad. Hashem is our God, Hashem is one. So listen to what's being described here. It's a beautiful thing. What the Medrash is saying is, this person, he's a person, he has his own children. He wants to give them instructions. He wants them to be okay, he wants them to be fine. And then the person who he spent his whole life dedicated to serving comes along and he remembers, hey, you know something? The most important thing is what I lived my life for. What I lived my life for was responsibility, taking care of this person. So forget telling the children what's theirs. Tell the children, remind the children of continuing that service. And Yaakov Avino is coming to tell his children what's going to be with them, what's going to be with them, what's going to be with them. But then, one second, what was Yaakov's life dedicated to? It was dedicated to the Rabbeinu Shalom, to Gilu Imachul Shamayim. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he says to his children, remember him, remember him. It's not just, oh, you know, I wanted to give you something, but it seems something is standing in the way. What is it? Don't worry, we believe in God too. Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekein Hashem that's sort of like a, you know, card-carrying member. Don't worry, I believe in God too. In this formulation, Yaakov Avinu is surrounded by people saying, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, continuing the legacy, the Avoida, the way of life of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu can say, as the Gemara says, that Mazari B'chaim, Afu B'chaim, his children are alive, and they're doing what he did in his life. And if they're doing what he did in his life, then he's very, very happy. He's very happy. This is the goal of it. I want to just mention something. Some people here might be learning the Gemara in Brachas, the Daf Hayoimi. We just had this in the Gemara, Naftalit, where the Gemara speaks about the person who was in the Churva, uh, in a ruin of Yerushalayim, and the, the voice and he heard a heavenly voice crying, and it says it's always whenever the Jewish people gather in their shuls and bate medrash, and they say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu shakes his head, and he says, Oy, 
Woe to the person, to the father who had to send his children away from his table. Woe to the children who had to be chased away from their table. Fortunate is the king who their makalsim that they praise him in his house this way. That's what the Gemara says. And, and you know, we, we, we explain, you know, Kaddish, Kaddish is something which is associated with children saying for parents, there, there are all kinds of Kaddishim, which would be said either way. But it's, it's so, like, why does a child do that? But you see, when Klal Yisrael stands up and says, we want Hashem to be known in the world, that's the great tefillah of Yeshme Rabbah. It's a huge tefillah. And what that means is, we are lining up behind what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what our father wanted. Instead of talking about ourselves, Yaakov Avinu said, I want to tell you guys what's going to be with you. And then it was interrupted. And I said, one second, what's going to be with him? Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeim Hashem Echad is that direction, that affirmation. That affirmation. And maybe that's why we say the Kaddish. Right? The Kaddish is saying, HaKadosh Baruch feeling, you know, the father loses his children. They go into exile. They're not continuing what he was about. That's what's disappointing to him. And by Yeshmei Rabbah Mavorach, when we say we want Hashem's name to be blessed, that means we are committed to what, to, to what Hashem is all about. And doesn't it make sense that a person who's mourning over his parent should say this tefillah, which is saying, you know, I also want to continue what my father was all about. Now, it's a big thing, I think, for a person to realize that when you say Shema Yisrael, it was what the children were saying to their father. And they were saying to him, don't worry, Dad. We believe the same things that you believe. And again, whether it's sort of, okay, don't worry, we didn't go off the derech. Or whether they're saying much more than that. Don't worry, we're not losing sight. What's important to you is important to us. Shema Yisrael. Think about that next time you say Kriyashma. So I read this once from somebody and it makes a big impression on me. Right? <laughs> when you say Kriyashma, just to say, okay, I believe in God. Shema Yisrael. Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov. Remember? Right? I'm your great, 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 great grandchild. We're still reminding the fort. I still value exactly the same things that you stood for. Shema Yisrael. Hashem Lekem Hashem Echad. A Jew today, 2020. Right? The year of hindsight. Right? You look back. Right? Say, Yaakov Avinu. You hear? We still believe. Shema Yisrael. Hashem Lekem Hashem Echad. That's it, you know. Kodesh Baruch who comes by, the king says, well, you're worrying about your own stuff. No, the king is here. That's what I lived for. That's the Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekein Hashem Echad. It almost is like, that's why he switched. It's a different shot. He started saying, I'll tell you what's going to be Bakrus Hayamim, and then, you know, it, no, <laughs> why am I telling you what's going to be with you? Let's talk about what's going to be with him. That's the change. Okay, Erev Tov. Good evening.